this is the Better Wealth Podcast with your host, Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, I'm so excited to share with you my very first podcast with the Cash Flow Ninja. I thought, what better way to launch a podcast than one of the most well-known financial podcasters out there? MC MC's podcast gets over 100,000 downloads a month and has interviewed people like Robert Kiyosaki. And that's one thing that we've had in common is both MC and I have both kind of started our financial journeys with the book Rich Dad Poor Dad and I got to sh- got to hear how MC got started and got to the states and how he started his podcast and how he started his business and it overall was a really really fun conversation and the big takeaway that I got that I think can be I think many of us can relate to or apply to our lives is when MC started his podcast he thought no one was listening he literally was like Caleb I think my mom and like grandma are listening but I kept with it And his big encouragement to me, his big encouragement to the people that were listening to this is to continue to keep going, even when it's really tough. Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're working on a project that's really tough, whether you're in school and you're like working through whatever that thing is, continue to move forward and press on. And I'm so glad that MC continued because now his podcast is impacting many people. And it was a true honor to interview him. I hope you enjoy this conversation. MC, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Caleb. So uh, before we get into kind of your origin story, your podcast, I, I, have, to, I have to mention something. I, I have a picture on my phone and uh, it's, it's of you and me playing ping pong. And I want you to tell the audience how that turned out for you. I am just a natural. I, you know, everything I touch, I just have a natural ability. So I just brought it to the ping pong table. No, I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> I, I think it was so, funny. It was like we, we were playing with two other, two other guys and we all kind of mix it up. And I think your, yeah. your team lost every time. So. Every single time. Every, every single game I was on the losing side. So it was not my finest moment. You know, I took it on the chin and it was a good, uh, a good life lesson. A lot of humble pie was eaten by me on the ping pong table, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, it's a, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Stick to stick to the podcast world, and uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe professional ping pong is not in uh, both of our futures. So, all right. So for the it's not on my cards. Yeah. So so MC, obviously, I'm I'm so grateful that you're here. I've I've been following your work. Anyone that's been listening to podcasts that knows the financial world has heard of you. Um, you've had some incredible guests on your on your show, so I, I'm grateful for you to be here. For the people that don't know your story, I kind of want to capture it because when we had dinner and I like got to hear your story and how you you know you became the cash flow ninja, but even before that, I was like this this story needs to be captured and shared. Yeah, so Caleb, I'm originally from South Africa, so I grew up in a in a pretty interesting time in the in the country's history. Not that it's not become interestingly <laughs> over time, but it was a pretty historic time in the in the country's history. So uh, the time that I grew up in was during apartheid, and as and I mean, I was still a young man during the time where the country changed over from 
uh, the apartheid regime that we had to uh, the current form of government. So I still remember when President Nelson Mandela was released from prison. Mm. And then um, I still remember the first democratically uh, uh, well, election that was held, right? And then he became the president uh, of the country. So there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of, yeah, there was just a lot of things happening. Um, it really opened my mind and, and truly... Um, yeah, I think I, I realized a lot of things very, very young that nothing is as presented. Hmm. Uh, you certainly didn't get the full truth from the uh, the apartheid regime, of course, and you certainly didn't get the full truth really afterwards of, of, of what happened as well. But so there was a lot of, I would say, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion. There's a lot of propaganda. So as a young person, I realized very, very early on that I'm going to have to think for myself. I'm going to have to do my own research. I'm going to have to look and things for myself and also read um, different opinions, read okay. wide, look at all different sides uh, of what's going on and then form your own opinion. So I think that was one of the big takeaways and it's really, uh, it formed a foundational basis of just who I am as a person and how I approach things and how I look at things. And, um, you know, you could kind of look at, look at it as a sort of a blessing that had happened very early on in my life right. and not later. Yeah. So I always critically looked at things and, and, and challenge existing assumptions, you know, um, and I've, I've brought that kind of contrarian view to a lot of a lot of different things, especially when it, when it came to when it came to finance uh, and other parts of my life. Um, so I always uh, joked and said, you know, if ninety nine percent of people are doing one thing and you're going to the other side with the one percent, your chances are pretty good <laughs> yeah. that, you, that you're going to have better results than what everybody else is doing. So. Um, Taking that, that thinking into it, uh, I took the same approach when it came to wealth, wealth creation, uh, finance. And I just, um, you know, I came across, my mom actually gave me uh, the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad from Robert K. Mm -hmm. Saki. Um, that kind of set the context to um, as far as from a, from a wealth creation standpoint that, hey, there's a different game here. How um, how old were you when you read that book? Boy, so that must have been around 2000, year 2000, 2001. So, um, yeah, I was, what was I, like 20, uh, 21, 22? Yeah, yeah, so around, around, about, around about that stage. So, um, I actually got that book. I'm originally from South Africa, as I mentioned, and now live in the United States. Um, I was in the United States a year and then went back. So probably around 22. And then my mom gave me, gave me that book. Um, and that changed my life at that stage. I took action right away. You know, I uh, bought, bought my first investment property. Um, and that was in, basically... Was it in South Africa, right? Yeah, in South Africa. So I came to, came to the United States. I went back actually to go and visit family, family and friends there and uh, came across a pretty good opportunity um, in, a, in a neighborhood which I just strategically thought was going to grow and become very, much more popular over time. So in Cape Town, there's, there's, a, well, there's, a, there's a beach town called Blauberg and it's, it's not a... It wasn't a very far commute to the city of, of Cape Town. So I looked at that. The views are spectacular. The best views in Cape Town is from there. You could see the, the mountain. You could see the bay. You could see Robben Island from there. So I figured, you know, location, location. It's pretty, 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 close, to, uh, pr pretty close to the beach. Folks can live there and work in the city. So, you know, I took action. Um, 
And as I, when I came to the States too, what I did in the United States is I actually played in a, in a rugby league here. Um, it was called the U.S. Uh, Super League. Um, so it was like a city-based league where you travel to different cities and play different teams. The league is no longer around. I think uh, it folded shortly after the last financial crisis. But um, that was a that was a fen- phenomenal opportunity for me as a as a young guy uh, with the, with a sense of humor, a sense of adventure. Uh, and I, I mean, I came here with a backpack, one suitcase, and you know about five hundred bucks. So it was a great opportunity for me. Uh, to play rugby, meet people, see see the country, and as I was doing that, I I continued my studying, right, and my research. So I found Rich Dad Poor Dad, as I mentioned, and that takes me to the creature from Jekyll Island, from G. Edward Griffin, um, and then it takes just takes you to the next book, to the next book, to the next book, and you just started um, to figure out how how money works, how the game of money works, um, and then. Yeah. Uh, then, then from I, I met, actually met um, met someone that was in the real estate space as well. Very successful. Uh, come came from a very wealthy family that owned a ton of um, units, actually multifamily units, in the city of Chicago. So um, I started working uh, for him and his company. I learned the business from the ground up. I mean, I literally started painting painting apartments, doing maintenance, uh, landscaping, all that kind of stuff to eventually managing, managing properties, doing books, uh, leasing, uh, doing some brokerage for them and being part of their acquisition team. So I literally saw it right from the ground up to uh, basically where properties are being bought and sold and how they're bought and sold and so forth. So um, I didn't know I was supposed to be, be looking for a mentor at that stage. Um, yeah. Trust me, I didn't know that's what you were supposed to do. It kind of happened. Um, and um, I was very lucky to be in that situation to see just at the level that the game was um was played. Bring that into today. Um, some of the strategies um, that that you and I know and that we we talk about, I saw firsthand being used by those folks in a mm-hmm. in almost like a family office setting, really, where right. all of their advisors was under one roof working for the family. Um, and um, yeah, I took I took a lot from what I've learned there. Try to apply it in smaller increments into my own life. Started seeing started seeing that. Um, so that was kind of how I got into that, how I got into the cash flow, the cash. So I, I have a quick question. So you were, were you playing rugby while you were still learning real estate? Yes. And were you, did your call it like, were you in Chicago and you like were playing rugby? Yes. So, um, I had a season in Philadelphia, I had a season in San Diego, and then I finished out in, in Chicago. I moved, and I moved there the, for the gray winters. Yeah. For for the people like me, I I'm I'm staring at my I'm a proud owner of the Green Bay Packers, so I, I'm an I'm an ignorant American that knows nothing about rugby, <laughs> but about football. What's what's the biggest difference between football and rugby? Yeah, so obviously people point out the pads is the first thing, right? Um, that they we don't have helmets and pads, mm-hmm. and um, you can only pass the uh, you know possible backwards and lateral uh, so you can't pass the ball forwards but there's I mean there's a lot of similarities I, I guess football the way it was explained to me kind of originated out of rugby and on the college campuses in the United States so there's a lot of similarities um, but uh, yeah I think those would be the, those would be the bigger differences the field is obviously a different size as well um, but yeah I mean the game has grown in popularity since I've been in the States. You know, the mm-hmm. 18 years, it's grown. It's getting TV exposure. 
the United States just hosted the uh, the Sevens uh, Rugby World Cup in San Francisco. So um, rugby is now an Olympic sport. So you know the US the US gets into Olympics big time. So that kind of put it big time on the map. So it's it's a game that's it's definitely grown in stature. Okay, so so you're you're buying your houses, you, you're getting into real estate, you're getting mentored accidentally while playing rugby, and then you you stop playing rugby, and then you get into teaching people about well, like how did how did that next step go? I took a little bit of a detour through corporate America, where I did some consulting, I did my MBA, finished that up, and then uh, still pursued real estate investing, still pursued that part of it. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, took a lot of knocks along the way. Cause I try to, I try to grow. Right. So I started with single family. I try to, um, to get into bigger properties. Um, but then utilizing that strategy. And this is one of the things that I, that I really learned too, uh, during the, during the last, during the last downturn, the last recession and financial crisis is, um, you know, just the foundation that I had wasn't sufficient. Um, and I spent a lot of time figuring out the mistakes I made, where I went wrong, uh, what I, you know, what I needed to, to have better in place. So it was a, it was a self reflective moment, I would say that led to a lot of uh, good lessons that I took and made adjustments, started, started taking different strategies and finding mentors, just copy and pasting what they're doing. Right. Um, and, uh, I saw definitely saw some success, and um, what I then took was the lessons that I've learned as an investor, um, and uh, implementing, executing this in my own life. I wanted to teach and share those with other folks. So that's where um, I started getting into the wealth creation space. Um, my company now is Producers Wealth, and um, as a side on that, the thing that's always fascinated me, you know, once you start learning from someone and the bug bites you, and you and, you, yeah. and somebody shows you something, and you're like whoa, you can do right. that? Seriously? And then you right. look at it and it's, it's, it's vetted and verified. I try, I, I said, you know, there must be a ton of this other stuff that I've never even heard of or, right. you know, people are making money and, and doing things and creating uh, wealth in so many different ways. Um, why don't I start a blog? This was the, the first thought, right? And try to figure out and maybe write a blog or learn, you know, figuring the model of learning something, doing it, and then sharing it and teaching others about it, right? Um, Right. So it kind of like started with a blog idea. And then I figured, I would, you know, English is my second language. Afrikaans is my first language. Uh, Growing up in South Africa, I figured, and I also learned that I wasn't as good as a writer then because I wrote a lot and I'm like, oh, this is not good. But I figured, you know, I can talk. Clearly, listeners right. might be able to take from my from my story. But I, I like to talk and I like to connect. So I figured a better medium would be something like doing a video interview, and then interesting, yeah. And then podcasting was around. I listened to a couple of podcasts, and I figured, you know, what you know, right there is the the right medium and avenue for me because I can try and interview folks that are doing amazing things, building wealth in ways that we don't even know of across all the different asset classes and doing it in the shape and format of a podcast. And that's been quite a, um, quite a a journey within the two and a half, three years that I've been doing it. Um, I started it literally from my, uh, from my living room table with like a 
$25 microphone and a free piece of software, I guess, because I, I just didn't really know what I was doing at that stage. And it's morphed into, um, I think we're now regularly in the top uh, one, 150 or 200 uh, podcasts on iTunes in business. Um, wow. And um, yeah, we, we're in over 178 countries. We get uh, quite a significant amount of d- downloads. We, we've reached quite a, a lot of folks. So it, it really took a life of its own. <laughs> and right. uh, it's opened um, open avenues to different opportunities and meeting amazing people, um, you know, uh, over the years, which, which I couldn't have imagined. So it, uh, it turned into its own business. So that's, that's one of the one of the things that I enjoy doing and I keep, keep on enjoying doing it. You know, one of the, we, we've learned from a lot of the same people. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast was the same reason that you started three years ago. It's like, I almost feel bad or, or selfish, like keeping the things that, that I've learned that, you know, uh, to myself. Right. And it's, it's only amount of, it's only a matter of if sharing other people's stories and getting them to, you know, capture that, um, where I think we can do, I mean, ultimate leverage, you were saying how you have a hundred to 120,000 downloads a month. You can't talk to like 1% of those people, you know, a month and yet you're influencing so many people. And I just, I little, yeah, I think it's pretty crazy that at three years ago you had a $25 mic free software and now you now I'm looking at your nice studio with uh, a <laughs> yeah it's it's it, and it's one of those things where you start you start off small uh you right. um you have a mission right you have a purpose you love what you do um and you are just consistent you consistently put it out because I think you and I had discussed um when we spent some time together in Park City Utah that at one stage you feel like wow is anybody even listening beside my grandmother maybe my mom my tells me I'm doing a great <laughs> job like, <laughs> yeah I get I hear that yeah absolutely um so it's yeah so it's it, it's it's um it's just the consistency and then the, the mission and the purpose that you have because once, yeah. once you have that in check too and you enjoy what you're doing, you're just going to keep uh, doing that. And to your point, you know, you learn from so many incredible people on your journey, right? We are kind of like an accumulation of experiences and ideas that have crossed our paths and that have influenced us, right? And mentors, um, there's, uh, I, you know, Ty Lopez talks about it all the time. You mentioned Ty, like he... You know, and he talks about how his life is a series of mentors, and it's so true. And uh, it's very powerful to be able to share the conversations with people and have other people listen in because I wanted to be right. that person to be able to listen in over the years. Like, you know, I, I would, would have given, uh, given anything to be able to do that. And guess what? Now it's so amazing that you can offer people the opportunity to listen in on conversations and learn. So when we were in Park City, I I like followed you around like a like a fanboy, <laughs> fangirl, or whatever you want to say, um, and I was like, I need to understand how podcasting works. And so I I picked your brain for probably an o- over an hour and a half just on podcasting. If someone was coming up to you and said, "Okay, MC, I want I, w- I want to learn this whole podcasting thing," where would you begin? How, what, would, what would be your piece of advice that you would give them? Yeah, the first thing that I would say is um, you, overall, the fir- well, the first thing that I would ask before I say anything is 
what uh, what are you trying to accomplish whether it's for a business purpose for instance if you're a business owner or a real estate investor that everyone is different um Everyone has like different goals of what they're trying to accomplish, whether it's more customers, whether it's establishing authority. Um, within marketing, it's very, very powerful. You know, if you're a real estate investor and you are sharing the stage, for instance, or speaking at an event with Robert Kiyosaki, that's instant credibility and authority right there. So if that person's trying to either partner with other investors or raise capital or grow his business in many different ways. Now, all of a sudden you have, you know, you, you have the authority to do so. So there's many different um, uh, outcomes that people want, right? So saying that, that being said is the next step would be, okay, if you're trying to get more customers, for instance, or clients for your business, where mm-hmm. are they? You know, um, are they even listening to podcasts, right? And if they're not listening to podcasts, they might be watching videos on YouTube. Right. So, yeah, you could still do a podcast format and repurpose that, that content on iTunes, but then maybe do a video podcast, right? And there are folks with massive, massive online uh, audiences as far as videos, right? They have huge platforms, thousands of subscribers and so forth. So, um, and then maybe they're not there. Maybe they are, are on Twitter, for instance, you know, which a lot of business professionals are. I get a lot of my content from there um, because it's quick. It's on the, on the fly, right? So maybe then there's a shorter version because I've seen folks do even like a five or seven minute interview, right? And it's right. just basically knocking it out. So I would say that would be the first thing is what's your outcome? Be very, very clear of what you want to accomplish because, and, and also know that this is a long game. This is not a right. short game. So when you're creating and building a platform, uh, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of um, discipline and you have to be consistent and it's not going to provide immediate results, right? It's going to have right. to be something that you're going to have to uh, uh, build up over time. So with that being said, you have to go into it with a mindset that nothing could potentially happen within the first six months to, you know, within the first six months right. to a year. So I think I mentioned to you one of the, the best pieces of advice that, that I got uh, when I started is um, to commit for three years in doing mm-hmm. a podcast for three mm-hmm. years. So whether it's podcasting or a platform, you have to commit for a certain amount of time. And by the way, if you make it to, through to three years on whatever platform you're going to choose, whether if it's a podcast, you're go- if you're doing consistently doing it, bringing the same energy, enthusiasm, um, and discipline to it for three years, the chances are pretty good <laughs> that, that there's going to be some sort of traction, right? Right. Um, because that's another thing that I will say too, is that it's a very easy medium to get into. You know, I mentioned I started with a $25 microphone and a free piece of software, right? So it's very easy to folk, for folks to get into now. All of the, a lot of the people are doing it. So yeah, there's going to be a significant amount of people going into the space, but there's going to be a significant amount of people dropping off and dropping off. Yeah. And you see that when you look at shows, I could usually tell by the number of episodes. And then I know that they've reached, for instance, a six month mark is kind of where the time where you start doubting (laughs) whether this is worth it because you've put in all this effort and resources and and energy and, uh, and time and you might not get traction in that time. So I would say, um, 
know that it's in the, a, a long game. And then your format, your format, everything has to be tailored for who you're trying to reach and eventually out, outcome. So as far as the, the time for the episode, the structure of the episode, you know, I'll give you a good hmm. example. So one of my mentors is John Lee Dumas. Okay. Uh, he has a book called on, Entrepreneur on Fire. So JLD's um, avatar, as he calls them, he's like listener that listens to him, listens in a car or while they're working out in for their commute or after the commute for a workout, right? So they, you know, he figured that about 30 minutes was the average time that the folks that was listening to him commute. So he blocked off that time. And then also he wanted to be very fast paced, very energetic, motivating, so he structured his interviews and his flow flows accordingly now right that's so tailored for what your audience what you think what you know about them because you're going to have to know your your client or your customer um and then um i would also just say that the the authenticity is a big one too i think that authenticity is reigning supreme i think the people over edit stuff they um right well even yeah they, they they just you know nobody wants to listen to barbie and ken reading the news right they want real people that they can relate to. You said to. That when you first started, you were editing out the ums, and then yep. someone told you, they're like, leave them in. Yep. I, I was doing a lot of editing because uh, I was thinking more of a on a perfection kind of thing, which the right. lesson that I learned was it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. Just press record, start uh, recording this, put it out there. You're going to have to do it because you'll get better and better and better right. and better as you progress. And, you know, you're already a natural to begin with. <laughs> so um, the sky's the limit for you. But, yeah, you'll get better as you progress and record more and more episodes. Well, thank you. And that's that that that's advice that's spoken to me. And hopefully hopefully someone can add value um, because there's going to be a lot of listeners uh, that want to start podcasts or want to do something. I mean, pretty much what you're saying is whatever you're going to do, nothing's going to happen overnight. So, like just like commit to three years. And then if, if nothing's happened over three years, then you might have to have that conversation and be like, maybe podcasting's not for me, <laughs> but, but you have right, to, you have to right. give it uh, more than just two or three weeks. Uh, so you, do you have a, yeah. do you have a favorite interview? Like, do you have your favorite conversation that you've had over three years? You know, all of them, are, all of them are different. All of them are unique in their own way. I've had some fun ones where, you're just like, wow, you've had, um, you know, I've had, obviously had the honor to have some pretty big guests on, um, which, which was, which was amazing because now I get to ask them questions. It's like, there's this person that you've been following and reading all their books and studying because I like to study people. And now you get to ask them questions basically for, you know, the time that you guys booked off. So that, that's been great. Um, Color, very colorful characters too. You know, what I've <laughs> learned is some people, you know, are very passionate, especially in the space that we're in. They're super passionate. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's tough to control because you have to control the interviews too, right? So you have right. a Peter Schiff or a Harry Dent on. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's like tough to almost to control that because they're just so passionate. They just want to, you know, they, they're just going for it. So, um, yeah, there's, there's been some fun ones. I mean, Robert K. Saki, obviously the book that changed my life when I had him on was, was, that was phenomenal to, to connect with him. And by the way, also a rugby player. So side note, just a little yeah. thing there. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, that was, that was great. And then, you know, here's the great thing. 
you mentioned as as you want to learn from people. So, for instance, it's 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 funny that you asked the question uh, that question because I had someone on today that I'm trying to f- learn more about what they do and sort of studying them. So Ezra Firestone, for instance, is someone that I'm studying. And who is who is he? So he has a he has a, a blog sl- slash online thing. It's called Smart Marketer. He's one of the best um, e-commerce people probably in the world. Mm. So, you know, Ezra Firestone, Onyx Sangal, Russell Brunson, all those guys are phenomenal online online marketers. And he just, he brings a lot of unique um, takes on things. And I've looked at some of the stuff that he's doing. So I'm like, wow, that's interesting and powerful. And um, he, um, he was at a conference. Uh, he spoke at a conference that I was at too. So I met him briefly. Um, so there I am getting to have him on my show and basically learn from him and ask him the questions that I want to want to ask him. So they're all different and they're all unique in their, in their own way. One of the, one of the things that we both have in common is we both kind of have our businesses that we help people, we coach them with money. Mm-hmm. And so you have pers- producers wealth in, and I'm, I'm going to have you on the show again when you come out with your book. I'm excited about that, by the way, and, and for you to kind of go more in detail. But at, at, at its macro, can you explain to your listeners how you help your clients and how you explain the strategies about like what's, what's, behind, your, what's behind your company? Yeah. So um, what I took was my experience as an investor and as a, a business owner and also as an entrepreneur, I've been involved with quite a number of businesses. So I took that experience, experiences that I had and the strategies and I, um, those are the folks that I'm serving. So I can relate because I, I do the same thing that I th- things that I'm teaching. Right. So, um, and that's, I call them producers, right? It's, it's very, very iron randish, I guess, <laughs> but, um, I call them producers. These are, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, investors, um, and also busy professionals, producers. Um, so what we do for them is we create, um, systems and processes around them uh, that has them stay focused on their unique ability, their, their, their ability to produce and provide value for others. And then the systems and processes that we build around them uh, sets up uh, their ability to create and then to protect what they have and then also systematically multiply it. So it's, and there's different strategies around that of how we do it. Obviously, uh, we look at efficient asset positioning and savings where you warehouse your savings and how you position your assets. So it's all in alignment of your goals. And then we also look at uh, your strengths as a, as a producer in multiplying that. So when I say what I mean by that is, you know, there are some of my clients, the one guy is a complete ninja. He's an absolute ninja. He's a, he's a physician that buys practices. He brings in his team. He hires the right people. And he basically turns around that practice and make, makes it really super profitable. Some he holds on to, some he sells then to someone else, right? That then takes over a very profitable um, practice. Now, he calls me up and he's like, well, you know, I really want to get into this, you know, this real estate investment or this Bitcoin investment. And I'm like, right, right. No, why would you want to, <laughs> you know, why would you want to do that? Because you're basically sticking in a dollar in an ATM and mm-hmm. it spits out a hundred every single time. So that's not your unique ability, your focus. You know your business right. inside and out. Why 
why why would you move away from that then and you know put it in speculative mode sort of um you know so that's kind of that's so we 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 customize systems for him we customize systems for real estate investors and so forth so there's many different folks we're all different we all have unique and different backgrounds and experiences we all have different strengths so that's like a big, I think, component that's missing hmm. uh, out there, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, so that that's that's kind of how we work with our clients and and we help them. Oh, super, super cool! Biggest biggest takeaway that you've learned from being in the business, and how long have you had produ- producers? Well, so um, we rebranded in the beginning of this year, uh, the, the that specific company for almost four years now. Okay. So okay. Um, yeah, so for uh, that company's been around for four years. We rebranded because of. Uh, I learned a, just a lesson in business too with uh, trademarking and registered trademarks, and I was trying to secure a, regi- a trademark on a on the previous name, and it was just very tough because there's a lot of folks that was already using it. Hmm. So you know, sometimes you have to pivot and move ahead and just right. be more productive and efficient. So a, a lesson well, that I learned. What one of the biggest things that you said about producers' wealth, and I'm like, I'm like jotting down notes as I'm talking to you because it's like that's so that you, you said that very well it's this idea that like and I, I kind of say that we are our greatest asset yeah. so we want to invest in ourselves and you, you, unique ability and so I love that idea of, of your clients our producers I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that from you sometime and no absolutely all right so I, I want to end this podcast with a question that I that I love and it's okay so let's say today is your last day and you're with the people that you love the most and you could pass on one thing. It could be part of your story. It could be what you've learned. What, what would that be? So uh, to pass on one thing. Wow. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one right there. One thing. That's a great question, by the way. Because of the one thing, you know, Gary Keller t- right. talking about Gary yeah, Keller. the one thing and focusing on one thing. Uh, I'm going to say um, increasing your value constantly to the, to the world because hmm. um, you cannot, uh, you won't be able to not only grow yourself, but if you don't grow yourself, you're not going to be able to grow and deliver value constantly for others and the people that you're trying to serve. So right. it's a variable, right? So your uh, the amount of value that you can produce for the world and for your clients and for other people are dependent on your personal growth. Because if you just stay where you are at, then you're you're gonna it's gonna taper off. There's gonna be a kind of an area where you top out in the value creation and production for others. So always be focused. You know, it's, it's the, whole, the whole story of putting on your, your mask first, right? In the airplane before you put, put it on. So put that mask on every single day, grow, develop, invest in your greatest asset yourself. Because if you do that, then you will be able to grow your business by producing and creating value more and more, more for others. Otherwise, it's going to stagnate. So I think if I had to pick one thing, it's that. Yeah. Um, because if you're constantly improving yourself, you're developing yourself as a better, uh, as a better human being, as a better father, a better husband, a be- better business owner, um, and you know, uh, increasing your ability to serve, serve others around you better. MC, that was beautifully put. Thank you. How can people follow what you're doing? And uh, yeah, how can, how can my listeners start uh, becoming cash flow ninjas? 
Yeah, they could check us out at, at cashflowninja.com. Uh, there's a ton of episodes there. I think it's over 350 now uh, that we've put out. It's, uh, it's ways to create cash flow and income streams in the new economy. So whether it be real estate, commodities, businesses, online businesses, paper assets, uh, blockchain and crypto, it's all there, all different kind of stuff. So if you in- have any interest, check, check us out. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you so much uh, for having me on, Caleb. Great to connect again. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my very first podcast with the Cashflow Ninja. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, subscribe and leave a review. Reviews really help other people like you find this podcast, and it would truly mean the world to me. Now, next week on Monday, I had the opportunity to sit down with Pat Donahoe to talk about his new book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose. It was a fire interview. We talked about his background. We talked about the book. We talked about the true American dream of taking back control over your money. And I'll tell you what, I I left the conversation so fired up that I that I think I I had to like run laps around around my office. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and what's also really special is I would not be in doing this business if it wasn't for Patrick because when I was 18, I found him, his company, his videos, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. So tune in next week Monday to listen to the interview. And uh, until till then, have an incredible week. We'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.